Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. Are you ready? Then brace yourself. Let's go. It's time for the Bill Kasky Podcast, a weekly show carefully crafted to help you grow your skills and your results in business. Now, here's your host, Bill Kasky. Hey, welcome back to the Bill Kasky Podcast. This, of course, is the Tuesday CEO President Leadership VP Sales Edition of the podcast. And in this episode, we speak directly to that group. Thursdays is for sales pros. Tuesdays is for leaders. And today, I want to talk about this notion, this concept, I love that word, concept of a category of one. And whenever I talk to CEOs, VPs, presidents, executives who who are trying to grow their business, there's always the idea of, well, here's what our competitors are doing. And it never fails that at some time during the first discussion, or even as we get to work together, there's a there's a mindfulness of the competition. You know, here's what they're doing, here's what we're doing, here's a deal we lost to them. And I think that there's something here to be done. Because in a perfect world, we have no competition, or we don't look at it that way. I've always said that the best kind of competition you can have and be, be present about and mindful of is the competition you and the customer have, which is getting their problem solved. So the nemesis, the person you're competing against or the thing you're competing against is the problem to be solved or the goal to be achieved. So you and the prospect are on the same side of the desk here you're not concerned about your arch rival across town. I just don't think that's helpful. So, but the fact is, I also know that have a strategy that is a no competition strategy. That's what we're going to call this. Do you have a no competition strategy? And there's three components to this that I think are really important. If you were to listen to this and then go back and uh, try to do something that will uh, make some progress here. So, Number one, I think you need to out-message. Number two, I think you need to out-position. And number three, I think you need to out-value. So if you work on these three legs of the stool, as it were, I think you will be going a long way toward having no competition. And that's what, for my clients, I'm always interested in, is how can we message, position, and value our way to where the customer really doesn't have anything to compare us to. And that's really the ultimate, isn't it? Where you get, and maybe they're entertaining bids from other people, but when they look at you and they look at the two or three other people that are in the market, they say, well, this is a no-brainer to use you guys. So let's go to number one first, and that is out-message. When I say out-message, I think that none of us, none of us, I don't think I've seen a company in my 25 years of doing this that the great companies ever stop working on their messaging. And messaging is is a messy thing 
because it requires thinking. It requires you to put your message through the prospects filter and you have to look at your value through their eyes. And that's one of the hardest things to do is to look at it as someone else would look at it. It's easy to look at our value the way we see it, but not the way they see it. So you've got to figure out, can we improve our messaging? And messaging shows up in a lot of different areas. It shows up on the LinkedIn feed that you do. It shows up on any videos you create, a podcast you might create. It shows up when you have a first call. It shows up when you are presenting to a group. And messaging is hard, but you've got to get it right. Number one, it has to be clear has to be clearly communicated. The way I like to think of it is that you have to say to yourself and finish the sentence, let me tell you why people bring us in. Let me tell you why people seek us out. It's got to be them focused, prospect focused. It can't be you focused because that's when the whole interaction cools off because you're expecting them to connect the dots between what you say your solution or value is and what their problems are. And they won't do it. It causes the brain to have to work overtime. And we know that people don't have the time to work overtime, especially our brains as full as they are. So you've got to do that. Number three under out message is you've got to understand and be clear about how you are superior or unique. I actually like unique better than superior, but there may be some areas that you are just flat better than your head-to-head competition is, and you need to figure out a way to proclaim that, not in a hero kind of stance where look at, look at me, look at me, look at how great we are, but again, through the prospect's eyes. But I like uniqueness. What makes you unique? What are some processes you have that are distinguishable that I, I was in, a, in my 2X, which is my sales group the other day, and we were talking about where's the evidence? You say that you have the best people. You say that you have the best processes. Everybody says that. Everybody says that. If you call your sales team in right now and say, hey, what makes us better or unique or valuable? Probably 90% of what they say is what the customer or the competition would say. What everybody else in the market says. So you've got to find something different. The devil is in the details here. So if you have something unique that you do or say or think or a unique process, you need to be clear about it in your message. So that's out messaging. Number two is out positioning. And by positioning, I mean, what is your brand? Are your people aligned with your corporate brand? If I saw three or four of your people perform in the field, Would they all seem to be similar? Would they all have similar messaging? And if I stack that up with the brand that you've worked hard to build, if you have worked hard to build it, would I see congruence? Are your people aligned with your brand? Most aren't. Most sales teams are out there doing their own thing, lone rangers, cowboys, isolated, and they're all doing their own thing and you don't know what they're doing. So brand is really important. Number two under outposition is are you positioning yourself as an expert in the field, in the market? Are you educating your prospects and clients? Are you bringing value to them whether they do business with you or not? Let me say that again. Are you bringing value to the market whether they do business with you or not? That's what I do in these podcasts. I mean, frankly, that's why we've created the Leaders Podcast on Tuesday, because that is my market. 
I've got products and services and, and programs that I sell to leaders. And so I'm giving you value. Some of you are going to call me and say at some point, not, not maybe right after this podcast, maybe, I don't know, call me and say, hey, I've listened to your podcast. We need help. We want you to come in and work with our team. So I'm educating and I'm bringing value. I'm positioning myself as someone who knows something. Maybe I'm not the foremost authority in the world on something, and maybe you're not. But at least you're trying, you're bringing value, you're educating. And three, you're positioned as a good communicator. And what I mean by that is your message is easy to understand. Your stories are good. You're able to clearly communicate. You're good at asking questions. You're good at answering questions. You don't answer them in in winging it kind of form. You're, you're thorough about your answers. You're thorough about your question. You're thorough about your stories. That's how you position yourself better. And number three, you need to outvalue them. There are three things that make up this section. Number one, do you have a sales process that's written down, that's visually defined, and is it in their best interest? Is it in the prospect's best interest to follow your process? Hopefully it is, but that's one thing you've got to have. If you're going to outvalue somebody else, you're going to have to have a process that is in their best interest to follow. Number two, what is the prospect experience? I did a podcast on this here a week or so ago. What's the prospect experience? What experience do you give this prospect as they go through the pipeline, as they go through the procedure, the sequence, whatever, the framework of how they buy from you? Is it full of really good touch points? Do you offer anything on the way through the process that's helpful to them? Or are you rushing to get to the close? And the third thing is not only the prospect experience, but what's the customer experience? How do you connect with them? Are you linked in to all your clients? Are you constantly giving them ways to do better business with you, ways to get more value out of your services than what they may have even remembered they got? I talk to a lot of VPs of sales development, and a lot of times the SDR role, which is kind of that upfront role, they make a lot of promises. Sales team makes a lot of promises. Then the, the client success team gets it, and the prospect has a big, fat, huge expectation that can't be filled. So that doesn't start with a very good customer experience. Oh, well, your sales guy said you did this. Well, we don't do that. That's extra. Well, wait a minute. That's why I bought the whole. You've heard that, and I hear it a lot. So when you're promising things and your sales team is promising things, make sure they're not over-promising because that's a very poor customer experience. I assume that you survey your customers after they've been on board for 30, 60, 90 days. Find out how the experience was. You would get a gold rush of information if you would just ask. I find most companies don't. So... Those are the three things. You've got to out-message, out-position, and out-value. When you do those three things, you probably will have eliminated 80% of your competition because they won't do those things. If you only look at this from a feature and benefit or from a generic offering, like in my world. So, for example, if somebody calls me up and says, hey, I've got a sales meeting in uh February, and I want you to consider coming in and working with my group. I got 100 people or whatever, whatever I have. The generic product is me showing up and doing the training. Well, there's 4 million people that do that, maybe more. There, there's lots of people who will show up and do training. 
So that's the generic product. Well, I don't want to be competing against those other 4 million people or probably more likely two or three other people that they're talking to or they've had at prior events. I want to change the whole process around. I want to know a little bit more about what they want to accomplish. What are the takeaways they want? How do they want the needle to move after this meeting and this training, this retreat or event? And if I get that, I will have changed the process because most speakers don't ask that. Some do, but most don't. So the takeaway here from you is go back to your team And if you're a CEO, president, or leader, you've got to decide, well, what are these nine points? There's three areas. There's three points underneath each one. Hopefully you wrote them down. And if you do that, then you'll start to grade yourself, rate yourself. How clear is our message? And the way you find out is just go ask the sales team to deliver their message. Here's a good one. Ask your sales people one at a time to come up and spend five minutes presenting your solution as if they were in front of a group of buyers. You will be appalled at what you hear. You'll be shocked. You'll be disappointed. But at least you'll know that many times they don't know how to do that. Well, I would rank yourself a C or a D there then. But just rate yourself into those nine areas. I think that'll make a big difference. So as you know, in these episodes, I like to put a quote in here that I find useful. And I had a client call me the other day who was struggling with one of his performers. And it wasn't ready to let him go. He was doing okay, but he really wasn't eager for growth. And he had lots of potential that he was not achieving. And uh, the more I found out, the more I felt like there was some other stuff going on. And we find that a lot. You know this, that the person you hire as a sales professional today, or the person you lead or manage or is on your sales team, they're not only showing up as who they are, they're showing up with all the attachments and the ideas and the opinions and the past and the traumas and the scripts and all that stuff with them. So a lot of times we look at this and say, well, they just need to make more calls or they just need to be better. But until we look at the origins of how they came to be, Uh, then it's going to be very hard for us to change and to meet them where they are. And so here's the quote. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Carl Jung. And I like that because we are 80% automated with our subconscious. 80% of our actions in in the course of a day or a week are subconscious. They're automatic. And... What I would recommend you do, if you have somebody who's not a high performer but could be, and they're giving you a vibe that they're not open for growth, which happens a lot, that's the archetype we find, is that somebody who's a seasoned vet says, oh, what am I going to learn from an outside person? I'm already doing fine. That's not everybody, but that's the archetype of the resistor, seasoned but resistor. You've got to find out what's happening inside. Because once you find out what's happening inside, how are they thinking about things? How are they thinking about their potential? When you ask that question of your team, you get a lot of really good insight. And if you're going to change results, you have to change thinking. I don't want you to practice on being a therapist, but maybe a little bit of that wouldn't, wouldn't hurt. So I like that quote, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. So try to get underneath what's really happening in their lives, why they do the things they do and the way they do them. What were they thinking when a particular action happened? And I think when you do that, you're going to 
you're going to come across a whole new vista of them and then maybe how to motivate them and inspire them differently. I hope this episode has been helpful. If you want to learn more about me and some of the work that we do, go to BillKasky.com. Plenty of ways to sign up for stuff, get free stuff. And of course, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say on that site, there's a place for you to contact me if you want to make your team a world-class sales team. I think they are. They could be. They should be. They have the potential to be. So why not let them be? See you next time. Bye. If you want more Caskey, go to BillCaskey.com and you can get on his list or set up a time to speak live. And make sure you share this episode with your tribe too. 